0: Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. We have Georgiane Chapin. She is the Executive Director of Intact America and the Secretary for Attorneys for the Rights of the Child. And please, please go and check out the website at intactamerica.org. They also have a very strong Facebook presence, which you should uh, check out. Uh, Georgiane, thank you so much for taking the time today. My pleasure. So I was doing some research because, you know, you want to gird your loins in the circumcision topic and make sure you have as many facts as possible. And uh, it seems, you know, we're very much for uh, anti-spanking, anti-circumcision, uh, bodily, moral, physical, emotional integrity of the child and so on. Boy, it seems to be pretty hard to get these numbers down. It seems to be a, a very tough battle uh, to, to remind people how the physical integrity and health of the baby boy is certainly as important as the physical health and integrity of the baby girl. Um, I'm trying to find the male privilege in all of this, that there's so many people who are working so hard to end female genital mutilation, which is a barbaric practice, but it seems the boys kind of get skipped over in this conversation. Now, why, why do you think that is?
1: Well, they certainly do. Uh, you know, circumcision in, in America, which is where the only uh, industrialized Western country where it's considered a normal medical intervention, uh, despite lack of any medical necessity, uh, circumcision in America is about one hundred and fifty years old, and it really is so much a part of the medical industrial culture that it it really um, it 's embedded in every aspect of American culture, uh, including prudery and secrecy about sex, despite the fact that you know in some ways we talk about sex all the time, but we really don 't know very much about sex including a fever service medicine, including a history of medical specialization and the co optation of childbirth by medical specialists where it used to be the um, used to be the purview of women and midwives. So and, and including, uh, obviously very strong political pushback from religious, political pushback from religious groups, from uh, the Jewish lobby, especially who I believe fear, and this is not to say individual Jewish people because they are stopping circumcision of their children. Many of them are, are not doing that, but the organized, um, religion which fears i believe that if medicalized circumcision goes away doctors stop circumcising then all eyes will really be on ritual circumcision and it won't uh, it won't stand up to any test and you can see that when you see the justifications go back and forth between religion parental preference parents rights uh doctors know best you know People are are scurrying like, you know, cockroaches when you turn on the light at night to find some kind of rationalization and justification for a completely uh, unconscionable and unjustifiable practice. So you're right. I'd like to mention, though, you you mentioned how difficult it is to get the numbers down. Uh, uh, The numbers have fallen from close to 90 percent 30 years ago. 35 years ago to somewhere in the mid fifties. And, you know, that is, that is significant. What I think is a good, uh, analogy though, is if you look at what's going on now with same sex marriage, uh, You don't need every individual in the country or 90% or 80% or even 70% to have a really strong position against circumcision for it to fall out of favor within the culture. You need a tipping point. We don't know exactly what that number is. But once you get to a certain tipping point of revulsion uh, against the practice of tying down little babies, and and that's going to come as people see children who are intact, who are doing just fine and, and foreskins are not, you know, rising up in the night to strangle the, uh, inhabitants of a household, uh, people will become used to the idea that a a boy with a normal penis is okay and doesn't threaten anybody. So I believe that we're going to see an escalation of, uh, of awareness against, um, circumcision and an escalation of awareness that the intact male body is a normal is a normal phenomenon and an escalation of awareness that most men in the world are not circumcised and they do just fine they don't have rampant infections and they're not you know a risk to the life and health of themselves or others so i i I predict that the numbers will start to come down much quicker as as you know for the next say six to ten years we've seen a huge increase in the number of people talking about this issue and anybody who talks about it and comes to the conclusion like oh i really hadn't thought about that but yeah there's something wrong with it they don't go back there's no turning back they don't call you up the next day and say you know i know yesterday i said i thought it was really wrong to cut a tie down a baby boy and cut up part of his penis but i was thinking about it last night and i really think that's like okay uh doesn't happen people Convert one way, and that's it. And that's that's what's going to happen.
0: I think there is, um, among some people, the fear that there may be negative peer consequences. Uh, you know, the old locker room thing that if you look different. Um, now, I mean, I myself was not circumcised, and uh, I was around a whole bunch of boys who were circumcised. And uh, I-, I can tell you completely frankly, I had never, ever one comment, not one thought, not one uh, possibility of exclusion, not one funny look. I mean, because first of all, that would be for boys to admit they're looking at other boys' penises, which right. generally boys are not one to do. But it, it, there's no negative consequences from a social standpoint. It's just, one at of, least it's just
1: another one of those you know, scurrying cockroach phenomena. That let's find some reason to... Uh to put forth at this for the boy's own good, you're going to keep him from getting teased. Well, good luck. You know, yes. if children are going to tease other children, they're going to find lots of things. And probably most the things that they would tease children about would be what would be visible uh, on a daily level. You know, maybe the silly shirt that someone wore to school or, uh, somebody got braces or, you know, what's in somebody, what's in another boy's pants, uh, or in another girl's pants is, I, I agree with you. Seldom the, uh, subject of, of
0: screw. No, I never heard a thing. I, I was made fun of much more for my fountainhead of the colony's fruity accent than I was for anything right, that right, uh, right. occurred below the belt. So let's, uh, I'd like to get to the, the law case that is to me, having looked at government iniquity for many years, I still find pretty shocking. We'll get to that in a sec. But to address um, some of the most common objections that people have towards uncircumcised uh, penises. And the reality, of course, remember, it's about a third of the skin of the penis that is being removed. It is Called not
1: intact penises.
0: Yeah, intact penises, <laughs> um, unmutilated <laughs> intact penises. Uh, it is a third of the skin that is being taken away. It is uh, the most sensitive skin uh, 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 that the male body has, and it is usually done either with a local anesthetic or no anesthetic. The shock to the child's body, registered in cortisol and adrenaline levels, is profound and reliably predicts uh, increased stress responses up to six months after the fact. So it is a massive body trauma that is uh, inflicted upon the baby, where the baby has to be held down or tied down. Uh, And of course, because it's a cut on the most sensitive area of the baby's body, where there's acidic urine coming out, uh, it remains painful for quite some time. So, I mean, let's at least be frank about the body trauma that is occurring. And people say, well, it's worth it because, you know, lower UTIs. One in three men do get UTIs apparently in the course of a lifetime. Uh, lower UTIs, lower penile cancer, and so on. I wonder if you could address the cost-benefit analysis that some people seem to um, bring to the table.
1: Well, there, there's no... Uh Good cost benefit analysis that's, there's no cost-benefit analysis that shows that money is saved uh, 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 let's start on the UTI issue yes there's a possibly a slightly lower relative risk not absolute risk but you know instead of you know one of, percent of boys getting a urinary tract infection in their um, first year of life uh, an intact uh, among intact boys, perhaps it's 1.1%. I'm, these are made-up numbers but for simplicity's sake, so it's, it's a marginal difference. Uh, one of the things we know is that a common cause for a, UTI in a or an inflamed penis in an intact child is that parents have been taught incorrectly to that they must pull the foreskin back to wash under it. It's like you have to Uh, peel back someone's fingernail to wash under it. The foreskin is naturally attached to the head of the penis. That's called physiologic phimosis. Phimosis means the foreskin is attached to the penis totally normal in a child. Um, So a lot of these are created, a lot of these infections are created by the parents or the doctors or a nurse or a well-meaning somebody else or an ill-meaning somebody else, forcing back the skin on the on the child's penis uh, creating bleeding and so so the other thing of course that we know is that girls get UTIs also and that uh, a round of uh, of a generic antibiotic for a child's urinary tract infection is probably at most a couple of dollars and it takes care of the problem right away so those are not we, we various parts of our body are susceptible to infection our teeth get um, uh, cavities, but we don't pull out our normal teeth in order to prevent cavities. You don't remove body parts to prevent. You don't cut off someone's nose and give them a give them a prosthetic because uh, the nose is the most common site of skin cancer. You just don't remove body parts for that. Uh, as far as penile cancer, uh, it's one of the rarest cancers. Breast cancer in men is more common than penile cancer in men. Uh, it usually occurs if at all. And as I said it's extremely rare uh, very late in life and again you don't preemptorily cut off a body part to prevent it from becoming sick Uh, penile cancer is an insignificant cause of morbidity or death uh, anywhere in the world but especially not in developed countries again let's look at um, at the fact that the U.S. is the only country that routinely circumcises baby boys. Let's look at countries in Europe, say, where circumcision is very rare. And the rates of urinary tract infections, uh, penile cancer, are the same or lower in those countries. They have much more to do with other factors. So those are, again, completely um, after-the-fact rationalizations. Uh, Again, we don't remove body parts to keep them from, from causing us trouble. Otherwise, we'd be removing a lot of body, but girls, all girls' breasts should be removed. What is the breast cancer rate? It's very, very high. Uh, we could prevent uh, breast cancer in women if we removed their breasts, either in childhood or even postmenopausal uh, or post-childbearing years, but we don't do that. We consider that a horrifying proposition.
0: And I've read, and I have no idea about the uh, medical validity of any of these, but there are certain sites that claim that female genital mutilation can provide uh, offshoot health benefits, uh, lower rates of HIV transmission, and so on. But I don't think that any sane person in the world would say, ah, even if we could dig up some minor medical benefits or even significant med- medical benefits to female genital mutilation, that this would suddenly become an acceptable practice. That's
1: prank. correct, and that, that's imp- that shows you
0: better than anything
1: else that this is not about... Uh, not about prevention or medicine. It's, it's totally cultural. It would be, uh, imagine proposing an experiment where we, uh, a prospective experiment where we remove the inner labia of a thousand girls and we leave the inner labia of another thousand and we watch to see uh, who develops whatever, STDs, uh, genital herpes, Uh, urinary tract infections Uh, and what you'll do is and you when you see the revulsion that a suggestion like that would mean or the uh, the ridicule that it would meet, you hear things like um, well that you know that wouldn't help anything that wouldn't keep you know any or even if it did you can't do that and there's your argument for boys too there's simply no logic behind the uh, the predilection of mutilating uh, men's genitals
0: and it's odd in a Christian country as well or Christian culture for it to be prevalent at all I mean certainly uh, I mean I think back as far as the 15th and 16th centuries the Pope's were uh, saying that uh, you risk your eternal salvation if you circumcise and there is a strong history of uh, anti circumcision uh, in Christianity and um, yes. So uh, it was the mid nineteenth century, uh, primarily as an anti masturbation aid of all the crazy reasons to do something. Done
1: your research. Don't realize (laughs) it's
0: not an ancient practice for Christians.
1: No, certainly not. It is an ancient practice. I mean, circumcision and the mutilation of genitalia goes back many, many thousands of years, and all kinds of, um, you know, uh, uh, visual. You know representation of this the Mayans did you know mutilation of the male genitals and um, circumcision is or some element of genital mutilation is common in some tribal cultures uh, the Australian Aborigines and certain African cultures but the circumcision that uh, in the Western world persists is really part of the um, Jewish and Muslim history uh, comes out of Egypt and that's where uh, in the mid 19th century, as you say, circumcision was proposed in the U.S. and in English speaking countries, U.S., U.K., as a way to prevent boys from masturbating. The common thread is that Maimonides himself, the great Jewish philosopher, recognized in the 11th, 12th century that um that circumcision that sorry that the foreskin was a source of great pleasure, and that one way to make sure that boys kept to their studies was to uh, keep them from putting their hands on their penises. Uh, he also talked about the fact that women preferred men who were intact uh, i don 't know how he knew that if he you know, but but he talks about that, so it 's doubly interesting that that modern uh, physicians and and modern uh, Jewish Um, advocates for circumcision will say circumcision does not reduce sexual pleasure or sexual sensation when that has really always been the in in western culture the justification for the procedure so you kind of can't have it both ways there's a lot of having it both ways uh, this the foreskin is an insignificant flap of skin why does anybody want to keep it and the flip side is well why is it so important to cut it off right why are you so desperate to cut it off? If it's that insignificant and that minor, a uh, little piece of skin, why? Why don't we just leave it alone? Um,
0: and then, sorry to interrupt, but the, the question of well, women prefer circumcised penises. Um, I'm no theologian and certainly no philosopher of history, but I don't recall an over. Concern with female sexual pleasure as being the hallmark of many religions right. throughout history that's
1: probably a really good point right not to mention what women prefer or what men prefer about women is really just um, actually uh, uh, something to if that's a rationalization you know, that's really kind of an outrageous thing to be putting forth right if if we find that men prefer uh, in certain sub-saharan African countries uh, women who've been sewn up um, and you know get pleasure out of that are we gonna report that women all over the world should have their vaginas tightened so that men can enjoy them more whether that causes uh, stress or pain to women I mean that's just such a uh, people's bodies are their own and they should be able to be left alone to make the decisions about their own bodies whether they're men or women or people who are born intersex or conjoined twins People's bodies are their own. They don't belong to anybody else, and they should be uh, left alone.
0: Now, let's turn to this case that is currently going on. I know there's been some premature resolution, uh, or at least some legal resolution. Uh, The case of the woman who, um, I think she had a six-month relationship with a fellow. They broke up, and she had an agreement that there was going to be circumcision. She changed her mind. She went on the lamb. I think for three months, was caught. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that because I think these are, these are the kinds of landmark cases that do raise what is normally just an unthinking response for people to the birth of a boy to something that can actually be discussed.
1: Yes uh, she what she, she changed her mind uh, and then nothing happened, she just became aware and I like to think it's because the movement uh, the intact movement has grown so much and there's so much information out there. We know for example that she was you know influenced by material from intact America um and other organizations that work against genital cutting of boys and but because the father wasn't pressing the issue uh nobody did anything and then uh, a couple years ago when the boy was about three i guess a year and a half ago uh the father got it into his mind that he wanted to see the son circumcised and she objected because she had become aware that circumcision wasn't necessary that it was risky the child also had had some kind of an adverse reaction to anesthesia he had had a seizure when he woke up from anesthesia anesthesia for a procedure I'm not I'm not sure what the procedure was so that was something that also scared her because she knew that an older child would need to be put under general anesthesia so she said no and they ended up in court and the judge uh, said, you signed this contract, you signed this agreement, so so you got to let the kid be circumcised. And uh, she didn't have very good legal representation. They didn't raise a lot of points that they should have. They never raised the rights of the child. They talked about the child's well-being and all kinds of euphemisms about the child's um, probably being made fun of in the locker room you know
0: um well and, uh, and i mean uh, uh, people are allowed to change their minds isn't uh, that exactly. sort of what foundational i mean if a woman says oh i'd really like to have sex with you and then she changes her mind you respect that i mean of course but, people are allowed to change you their minds go to a mind?
1: hospital and you you give your insurance card here in the us of course because you don't get in if you don't and you give your insurance card and you sign on the dotted line and you sign a consent for the surgery and you get to the operating room and you say you know what I changed my mind what do you think they're gonna do they're gonna say we have your form we have your credit card sorry buddy they're gonna knock you over the head and and remove whatever it was they were going to remove you're right people change their minds all the time Uh, contracts are revisited all the time and the judge uh, sided with the father treated the child treated as a normal contract treated the child as though he were uh, a sofa or a television set that they had agreed to distribute in a certain way she only um, after she lost the appeal, um, and the judge told her she didn't sign a consent form. And of course, the the quality or the even the nature of that consent form is itself a problem because it's certainly not a medical consent. You know, when you're going to have a surgery or a treatment, uh, you have to sign a consent that the doctor or the hospital administers uh, uh, informed consent procedure as vacuous as it often is <clears throat> it's still administered by the entity that's going to do the surgery or the treatment so i don't know what she signed what she was asked to sign and she refused so um she repaired to with the child to a domestic violence shelter which after interviewing her extensively decided she had legitimate fear of her ex and she and the child needed to be protected and she spent 80-something days in that shelter and the did not show up in court for a subsequent date. And the judge sent uh, the police, the sheriff, uh, fa- finally found her in another county in this shelter, arrested her, incarcerated her, and gave the child to the father. She then was, uh, after 80 days in jail and, no, sorry, 80 days in hiding and several days in jail, taken to into court in handcuffs and leg shackles and forced to sign well she first said no and then she buckled and signed some kind of so-called consent but as i said it cannot possibly be a legitimate consent it cannot be anything that any physician any physician or hospital would have to be crazy to rely on it because it was signed under complete coercion she was literally shackled um and it's it really does... I mean, we know that injustices are done every day, but this just boggles the mind.
0: Uh, oh, so and I mean, it's it, like something... Uh, uh, sorry sorry to interrupt. This is like something out of the Gulag Archipelago, yes. where you are signed confessions to crimes against the state to being a capitalist reactionary saboteur, and we all recognize that those confessions, as George Orwell writes in 1984, everybody recognizes those confessions are coerced and have no basis. The idea that you can basically have a gun to someone's head mm-hmm. And pretend that what they do after that has it's anything voluntary. to do with consent is Kafkaesque. Right.
1: Part about these executions in China, where the um, prisoners are, uh, who are going to be executed have given their permission for their organs to be so called donated. I mean, this really is reminiscent of that. It's really quite astonishing. And uh, you're right, the consent is not a valid consent. This case is not over. The father has custody of the child. The child, uh, he had asked the um, court to allow him to take the child out of state for this circumcision, which he still seems hell-bent on on getting done for his now almost five-year-old child. Uh, And they have, the court gave him permission to take the child out of state. One slight bit of gratification for me is that, Uh, The reason he gave for that was that the 1,200 letters that Intact America sent out to all of the urologists in the state of Florida apparently had a good effect, so he has not been able to find a urologist in the state of Florida to operate on his child. And um, uh, letters are going out all over the country to urologists and pediatric surgeons, um, and uh, we are hoping that those will have the same effect that the letters that have already gone out had In Florida,
0: and what kind of media coverage is occurring for this um, situation?
1: What kind of media coverage? What?
0: It's is occurring for this uh, situation. A lot. How widespread is getting?
1: A lot. I mean, I was really uh, until she was dragged into court uh, in prison garb and shackled. Um, it's mostly local Florida coverage with bloggers who are interested in. Activism and who are interested in the rights of boys to have their bodies respected, uh, talking about it. But now it's really hit the national and international news. There have been some wonderful pieces coming out of the U.K., uh, some wonderful opinion pieces <clears throat> in the mainstream press. And there was a good AP uh, article by a Florida reporter, uh, and it's basically gone national. So the coverage is is, quite, um, is growing. I imagine that until the next thing happens, and I'm not sure what that is, uh, I hope it's not an announcement from the father that the boy has been circumcised, but I imagine the coverage will die down. But, you know, with every issue like this, with every event like this, the awareness that's raised does have a cumulative effect. And uh, we are quite sure that the travesties of this case, and the astonishment that most people feel that anybody would force the circumcision of a a four-and-a-half-year-old, five-year-old boy uh, will have a lasting impact on on the public's attitude toward the surgery.
0: Not to mention the boy's attitude towards his father time going forward uh, to say the least. Now, as far as things to do, uh, I'm I'm very much a, you know, we've got values now, let's find some way to enact them. One of the things that I found encouraging and naturally, as any activist, also depressing, was the degree to which there are financial considerations involved in uh, circumcision. And I think it was in Arkansas where they dropped coverage for circumcision, thus a couple of hundred dollar bill would have been presented to the parents for circumcision, and circumcision rates dropped precipitously. So it's one of these subsidized things, in particular for poorer people, that if they get the bill themselves, suddenly they seem to find reason and uh, empathy for their kid. What do you think are the major steps that need to be taken obviously there's awareness raising and so on. What do you think are the major steps that need to be taken to that, that people can do to to really help this along?
1: Right. Well certainly what you're referring to is Medicaid coverage which Medicaid is the federal and federal state program that pays for services to low income people. and. Uh, No federal money, Medicaid or Medicare, which covers the elderly, no federal money is supposed to be used for medically unnecessary surgery. Now, we know that that's an idealistic statement, and what's medically necessary can be argued a lot. We do know, however, that the routine removal of a normal foreskin is not medically necessary. And the states that have dropped Medicaid coverage for circumcision have seen plummeting rates of circumcision surgery. Uh, Florida, interestingly, when this boy was born, did not cover neonatal circumcision, and that is why this child was not circumcised at birth, because Florida didn't cover it, and nobody wanted to pay for it. So now Florida has reinstated coverage, at, or at least covers circumcision of older children if they can get a diagnosis, hence that phony diagnosis of phimosis, which is just an inherent prepuce. Um, and so
0: I'm sorry the, the the people might not know what that
1: foreskin, means foreskin that uh, the, the, the foreskin is attached to the head of the penis so again the phimosis that's what phimosis means but phimosis is normal in a child it's could be a problem in an adult not always but could be so if you can get a diagnosis uh, and a doctor will will put down a diagnosis on a piece of paper and send it to Medicaid he can get paid for circumcising an older child so clearly And private insurance companies are variable. Some do and some do not cover uh, newborn circumcision. Interestingly, so that's one step. And the public should advocate uh, vociferously with their state legislators not to use state, not to use taxpayers' money to pay for unethical and or unnecessary surgery of any kind. But neonatal circumcision, of course, is the most common childhood surgery, so that's a good place to start. Um, so that's one step. Another step uh, about uh, of, of this is to recognize that there are already laws that should be protecting boys. So, for example, the consent laws uh, should be considered they should be strictly applied. So a parent is not authorized to give consent, so-called consent, for a procedure that's not necessary to save the life or the health of the child. So you can't take your baby into the doctor and say, you know, I I I lost my finger in a car accident when I was 17. I don't want my son to have uh, more fingers than I do. Uh, Or I want him to feel comfortable, so let's remove one of his fingers. You can't do that. You can't take your child to the dentist and say remove all of his healthy teeth. And some of these examples, when you give people, think, oh, oh, that's a silly example. Well, this is the arguably the most important part of our anatomy. Our, our is our reproductive system, right? That's why. The reason why
0: we have the rest of our bodies. Without that transmission, there are no people.
1: So, what about cutting off part of a boy's genitals? Is is less is more normal or less ridiculous than talking about cutting off his fingertip or the tip of his tongue. So that is another step. The other other steps include simply talking about it. Men who have been circumcised, who are who wish they hadn't been, are coming out every day and saying that. Um, some are saying it in rage, some are saying it in um in grief, some are saying it very matter-of-factly. But until people start speaking out, and again, I go back to what I mentioned about the same-sex marriage or the gay rights movement, You know, until people were willing to use their names and speak out, uh, then it's easy for everybody to um, pretend like this is not an issue. Another issue is equal protection. We have a law in this country passed in 1996, uh, the Female Genital Mutilation Act, that says it is illegal to so much as draw a drop of blood from a minor females, minor M-I-N-O-R, females' genitals. And we have equal protection laws. So that is roundly discriminatory law. And in fact, one of the questions that was asked in the Florida federal court in a preliminary hearing uh, was the judge asked uh, Heather, the young woman's lawyer, are you saying that if we prosecute somebody for um circumcising their daughter they could contend that they can't be prosecuted because that law is unconstitutional and i thought that was a big step that that question was asked in federal court i'm not sure it's gonna you know sprout wings and fly today but it what he said in federal court but But there is absolutely an equal protection problem in this country when you have a law prohibiting genital mutilation of girls and nothing to protect boys. So that is another step. And the other is, you know, another is just simply learning the facts and debunking all of the myths around circumcision. Men in countries that are where men men in countries that don't circumcise boys who've lived their entire lives with normal penises don't have higher rates of of anything except normal penises and probably sexual satisfaction than men in countries uh, where circumcision is practiced. So no higher rates of STDs, no higher rates of HIV, no higher rates of urinary tract infection, no pathology as a result of having been able to keep their intact foreskins. Right.
0: Well, I uh, I certainly appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, I, I think the big swing will probably come when somebody wins a malpractice suit against somebody who circumcised the child as medically unnecessary and brutal, that may still be a ways away. But I think you'll find it, as as we can see with the Florida doctors that you guys mailed out notices to, when they fear uh, liability, uh, then suddenly wisdom seems to prevail. Sadly, we are still not a species that makes a lot of decisions based on moral principles, but there seems to be a fair amount of uh, follow the money and self-interest involved. So uh, whatever we can do to to promote the people who want it, actually paying the direct costs uh, immediately, financially, and in the long term, when their kids turn around to them and say, why on earth did you do this to me? Uh, that is a very valid question.
1: There have been a number of malpractice suits, and one of the problems, again, the law kind of follows public opinion. So as long as you have judges on the bench, I would argue as this judge in Florida, I think you and I would probably agree at the likelihood that he is a circumcised man. Once you have judges on the bench, a sin- As long as you have judges on the bench who are circumcised themselves, who've probably circumcised their sons, uh, it's going to be harder to get uh, a judicial opinion that circumcision is is a big deal. And so that without the consent of the baby or even in cases where the parents sign no consent and the baby was so-called accidentally circumcised, it's been hard to get recoveries. but I believe that that is growing. And as you said, we need to make doctors highly aware that as this movement grows, people will not take lightly um, a first rejection uh, at a case. They will pursue it and the liability is there. We believe there's serious liability and we believe that. We know that circumcision lawsuits are growing in number and will soon become much more of a phenomenon than they are now.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, George, I really, really appreciate the work uh, that you're doing. Um, I I have always been somewhat concerned about the degree to which this seems to be branding males for disposability. You know, sort of a foundation of our civilization is that, you know, uh, uh, worship the women and dispose of the men in in war and uh, in homelessness and so on. I've always had, I'm not asking you to agree with that necessarily. My particular concern is that this is kind of like a a, a mark of, of livestock ownership for men to be circumcised, which is why women... Aren't and it'd be horrifying to think of, but with men, people would barely give it a second thought. So I think it's a very important, not just for sexual gratification, not just for medical ethics, but I think if we can swing society around to to viewing men and women in an egalitarian way in every circumstance and in every uh, condition, I think we'll be a long way further to a fairer and just and more peaceful society. So. Uh, I certainly really appreciate the work that you guys are doing. IntactAmerica.org, will link to it below. I hope people will go and look you guys up on Facebook. Get informed. You know, this is one of these things that, that people can do. Like, I can't do much about Federal Reserve policy or foreign policy or anything like that, but I can talk to people about not gently mutilating their yes, boys. Yes, you're right. I, this is something like you that, can do. Yeah. Everyone can do this. Sorry, go ahead. Yes,
1: yes, you're right. And thank you so much for spending the time on this issue. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks very much, and I'm sure we'll talk again. Take care.